0: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos. Uh, For this episode, very special guest on, very excited about, somebody who, one of my favorite writers in the world, one of my favorite podcasters in the world, uh, small town Illinois roots, huge Cardinals fan, huge Illini fan. Of course I'm talking about Heather Simon.
1: (laughs) Hello everyone.
0: (laughs) And the uh, other person that I'm talking about fits similar criteria and... You might have heard his chuckle a second ago. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, speaking to about Will Leach. How are you doing, Will?
2: I'm very well. Uh, thank you. I'm honored to uh, to come on. As you know, I will talk Cardinals uh, with anyone, but especially you two. So I will Yay.
0: talk. You. I, 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 have me. I appreciate that. And we, we figured that there just weren't enough, you know, podcasts with you on them. So we figured <laughs> we'd cut you a break and let people hear you talk once
2: but. let's let's it's what it's funny you know i go on uh, bernie michael's show usually about once a week uh it's cardinals and of course bernie when he left the post-dispatch he when he went to ESPN radio he said he, one of the things he said like well, hey one of the things i've been wanting to do is will leach and i'm gonna start a cardinals podcast and every time i'm like yes let's do that and then bernie of course has a million things going on is the busiest guy in the world and so every single time on his show he says hey let's start that podcast i'm like dude like i i will podcast like after we do this call guys I will just call a random person on Skype and talk to them about the Cardinals for 45 minutes. <laughs> so I am always willing to, to do this. So uh, yeah, I, I if I, the dirty secret about my entire career is uh, it's all everything I do, uh, movies, sports, politics, any of it, it is all just an excuse for opportunity to talk about the Cardinals. The Cardinals were the gate rate drug, pretty much to life. So uh, so I, I'm this is my favorite thing to do in the world.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're maybe like the Matt Damon to Bernie Miklis's, uh Jimmy Kimmel there, but we'll make sure that you get your actual uh, due on this one. So I mentioned your name, I didn't mention um, your credentials, where you work or anything, because frankly the list is so long that I figured that's could be like half the episode. So um, if you want to list off just anything that's not just the first line of your Wikipedia page, because that's what I was going to do otherwise. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I I write every day for uh, SportsOnEarth.com, which is uh, oh, actually owned by Major League Baseball, but so far I've been able to uh, they they've let me write all the Fire Matheny columns I've won, so I want, so they haven't really <laughs> stepped up uh, too much on that one. But uh, yeah, so I write for SportsOnEarth. I'm a contributing editor. For uh, New York Magazine. I review movies for the New Republic. I've written a few books, including my most recent book, which isn't that recent anymore, but uh, is it, which is actually about the Cardinals, called uh, Are We Winning Fathers and Sons in the uh, Golden Age of Baseball? And I am responsible for Deadspin, uh, unfortunately, for the rest <laughs> of. <laughs> I love Deadspin now. I, I, I does not that should not be taken as a dig against Deadspin. I love the work that they do, but I know that Cardinals fans, uh, have, uh, particularly last year, <laughs> okay. been a sensitive spot when it came to Deadspin. It was a relief. I will say, I, I know, you know, I know everybody that, that works. So I don't really have any connection with the site. Uh, only write one column a year and I don't really do much with them anymore, but I'm still friends with everybody. So there was a little part of me that after the Cardinals first lost to the Cubs, I was like refreshing Deadspin all to be like, they're not going to do the thoughts thing every year again. <laughs> Are they, they're not going to do every loss of the year. And they didn't. It was a relief to know that they would not. So uh, that, uh, I, I apologize for all the trouble that Deadspin has caused. Cardinals fans, though, is worth it. The reason that they do it is because we are a very sensitive sort. Yes. <laughs> and We, rest, uh, we, re- we respond uh, uh, poorly sometimes. We're like, why would anybody not like us? We're so nice. And that is, of course, exactly what they like to make fun of.
0: Yeah, for anyone who's not familiar with your work to this point, but has listened to the podcast, I feel like you're basically the male, slightly older version of Heather. Just extremely excited, extremely happy, and positive, mm-hmm. and does not understand why anybody could possibly not like us, but...
1: This is going to be a fun podcast, then.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that you just came up and mentioned the Deadspin thing. I didn't have to
1: Thank God that, God that out they, of you. Uh, they didn't do... The Cardinals lost their whatever yeah. game this season. It was going to
0: be piling up early on.
1: That would have been really frustrating.
2: Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, really... was like dark enough that first week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't take I uh, take it, but again, you know that is, that is the great joke of that. You know, the reason that 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 uh, scuffle, uh, such as it were, all started was because, of course, Drew McGarry uh, wrote a still does write a regular friend series the called podcast. what? Yeah, friend of the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, why why your team sucks or why your city sucks or why you're so on, and he does it for like every football team has it every year. He does it about Duke. He's done it about why your your politician sucks. All of these things. And then he did one about the Cardinals, which was mostly making fun of me, by the
0: way. Yeah. <laughs> and... I was going to say, I feel like you're the reason that this started, which I'm not sure if you, you take that... credit for that or what, but...
2: Well, re- re- it's funny because Drew was, I think, very taken aback because... He, was, he wrote this thing, which again, I think was mostly just to make fun of me and like my dopey, like, oh, I love the Cardinals. Isn't everything wonderful? Isn't the world great? Which is a totally something I've realized in the last six months. It's totally not true. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so uh, we'll come on from that quickly. Uh, but uh, so I, he wrote it, you know, just like he, like he does with all the cops. But but it got around so much and people from Saint Louis and Cardinals fans were so taken aback and just flooded him with how could you say these things and he gets these for all of them, but the just the raw amount that he got from Cardinals fans in Saint Louis's was so overwhelming that everyone with desmond was like Oh man! Now we have to go after these guys, and, and they did. And so I will say that, uh, as 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 exhausting as it was, I still feel like spins was mostly in good cheer. I would not say necessarily about that about all of the uh, the online hate uh, for for the Cardinals. I think the best Fans St. Louis thing is completely stupid, and uh, and like not even a particularly intelligent way to do that. I always thought Deadspin uh, at least had a good uh, had had some fun with it even. When when they were kind of like poking uh, Cardinals fans a little bit but it was entirely done by Cardinals fans by the reaction they had no that's been that's been will go after whoever people whatever people seem to be most upset by them going after so I think that that's why that happened I'm, I'm glad it's mostly over because uh, you know it became the first thing that people asked me about all the time and I was like I like thats and the Cardinals they're both good things I, I swear so I'm, I'm glad that it, that's not
0: happening every day anymore
1: It was very cute when they first started doing it, and it's lost its cuteness. Yeah, I've (laughs) seen.
0: Yeah, like my darkest confession is that I actually really enjoyed the first "Why Your Cardinals Suck" or whatever the title of it was. Uh, As it's going on, though, it's gotten to a point where I think it's kind of stale. But apparently, they're still getting a lot of attention for it. So I I think.
2: I I think it's slowed down enough. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's as prevalent now. You still see it uh, a little bit. I think one thing, though, that certainly. Uh, just to get uh, deadly serious on you um is frankly you know that started to coincide a little bit with say those protests outside bush stadium where we saw uh black lives matters protesters uh being accosted uh and in a, in a generally unsafe environment uh outside of uh, of bush stadium and that's been publishing that and publishing the video of that somehow the people's response to that uh was oh there's it been going after the cardinals again which for me was was disappointing because i think it was uh that was something the cardinals i think the cardinals could have done a better job of addressing uh and uh so i think that it's hard to argue that that's been would not be seen as the as a somewhat unreliable witness after their history with the Cardinals, but I do think that sometimes that they poking fun of the Cardinals. We uh, got so incessant that when they had something, I think that was actually a serious thing to be discussed about the city of St. Louis and kind of the uh, some of the fan base. Uh, not not so much some of the, some of the fan base, but just some of the issues involved with that. Uh, you just didn't buy it anymore because they have been after them for so long. And I think that's kind of a shame. Cause I think some of that was a serious conversation that needed to be had as opposed to like, I remember Eric Malinowski, you know, he worked, he used to work for dead spin and he used to work for Buzzfeed at one point. He's like the the, Deadspin, the Cardinals, hate got so big at one point that he did a Buzzfeed piece, the 25 horse, horrible things that Fred Bird has done. <laughs> I
1: was to like, be okay. fair, Fred Bird is a monster.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not yes, a Fredbird sure. fan either,
1: so.
2: <laughs> I understand that. But, like, that was, like, a national piece. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. it, it was just, like, a picture of Fred Bird pretending to eat children's heads. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's like okay, with, with beaky, maybe yeah. we've gone too far.
0: Yeah,
1: maybe we've gone too far. Maybe we've gone too far. There was a line, and we have crossed it.
0: When I was 12 yeah. years old, I was at a, a VA hospital, and Fred Bird started dancing and cheering and stuff during the national anthem, and I have not forgiven him for that breach of etiquette since. <laughs> like, if you're gonna do that, don't do it at a freaking VA hospital. But whatever. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that that was.
1: I just don't like the beaking because
0: it's yeah. gross
1: like don't touch this sweaty person and then also beak me after you, like it, i'm like Ugh, don't don't yeah, do it this is a salt yeah. this is a salt bread
2: there's definitely there's a lot of germs in that beak from, yes, the,
1: from that, that, there before you. that beak has been a lot of places and i don't want it near me
0: <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't want to think about that okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, but but to bring up, you mentioned before the fact that Deadspin there was sort of a I guess a boy who cried wolf effect in 2014 with the the Black Lives Matter protesters outside of Bush Stadium where fans were so conditioned to feel like they were being picked on, they were being singled out that even when an actual story broke when there was actual journalism I think being that done,
1: post did end with Go Dodgers though, which yeah, that was... oh, I agree,
0: I agree, and yeah. I, I. talked to i remember talking to Tom Lee
2: about that. I'd be like, dude, this is a great thing to put out there, but like this is missing the point. Like fine, like if you want to be the Dodgers, that's fine, but like that uh, to me that undercuts the actual seriousness of what they were actually trying to do there. And I think and I think frankly is against, you know, the like you know, I I I think that's a time where they they started to believe their own joke a little
0: bit. Yeah, and I'm gen- I'm generally pro deadspin spin. I you know, have some issues with some of the stuff they do, but I think that's probably the point. So Right. I'm not going to get too mad at them though and, and, and to be very clear just and we'll close with the deadspin thing here like i i'm
2: i'm always trying to be very clear about this because it's always strange you know as a, as a person that started deadspin when you basically whenever someone that does that been does something that someone doesn't like which will happen all, all the time because they are a site that, that tries to pull uh to kind of expose hypocrisy and and call out people a lot so inevitably they're going to do stuff that that people don't like uh it, it, people will always come to me and say uh, or you'll see a lot of Well, back when Will Leach ran the site, it's (laughs) fallen so far. And I'm like, listen, first off, I know that the site is like, 30 times bigger than it was when I did it I do not believe that you were actually reading during this supposed heyday of the site, it's always very uncomfortable to me kind of the Clay Travis dopes of the world, that they will try to turn it into like an identity politics type of thing, we're like well when Will did it, they never got into this and it's just like I, to be, so I'm always trying to be as clear as, uh, that this is possible, Deadspin is a better site than it ever was when I did the site it is, uh, has a expanse of scope and ambition that I would have never imagined for the site, and I think if I would have stayed doing Deadspin, there would be no Deadspin today because I just wanted to write my little stories about Rick a. Kiel and Keel <laughs> and all of these things. And uh, and I think for it to become the kind of the juggernaut it remains to be, uh, I I needed to step away, and and I I have such respect for the work they do on a regular basis. And frankly, you know, one of the many great things about Deadspin now is there's just so much a there's a variety of voices there that just wasn't there when I did it and I think it's a much better site because of that so so I, I love what they do uh, even when uh, uh, even when those posts that I enjoyed were sometimes uh, in between the Cardinals lost their 84th game of the day. particularly because it was last year and last year was so frustrating yes. <laughs> yeah, like it was just the one year I was just like okay it would have been awesome if they had chosen to do this in 2015 I could have told them to stick it right. but no it was like this really frustrating year so yeah I think that they, they picked a good year to do it uh, if they wanted to meet the Cardinals fans
0: to be fair, even if they had done it in 2015, they still would have gotten 62 posts out of it. It's not like
2: well, that's been... genius. I know that's the genius of the that's the genius of the idea is that like even if like a great team, like if you had done a, the Cubs lost their 45th game today, it would have gotten very annoying for every Cubs fan, even though the Cubs were awesome last year. So I think I think which is I think one of the smart
0: things about it. Yeah, They don't do that about like a football team, like oh the Patriots lost their third game, <laughs> they post in December or whatever. But oh well, um, that's. That's the Browns. Like, the Browns are horrible. And still, it only happened 15 times. Right. Yeah, that's true. But as we mentioned, obviously, the the Deadspin connection. So I'm sure a lot of people who are very just sort of vaguely familiar with Deadspin probably who aren't as familiar with you specifically would be shocked to learn that it was actually founded by a Cardinals fan. But um, what was, I guess, the origin of your Cardinals fandom? Like, when did it really, you know, hit for you being a Cardinals fan, being invested in the team and... Uh, I guess what led you to it? Because, as we mentioned before, you're from sort of rural Illinois, sort of a mix of Cardinals and Cubs fans. What gravitated you towards the good side, as I like to put it?
2: Yeah, I'm from um, I'm from Mattoon, Illinois, which is about an hour south of Champaign on I-57. Uh, it's about an hour, about an hour 45 from St. Louis, two hours from Indianapolis, and about four hours uh, from Chicago. As I always have to explain to people when I lived in New York, like, oh, I'm from I'm from Illinois. Oh, Chicago? No, I'm literally closer to Kentucky. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, it's always a key, as you know, uh, that's always a key thing to get across to people. So I was kind of a, this will come as a mass, massive shock to a lot of people. I was kind of a nerdy kid. And, um, Doesn't sound so right, I,
1: but go ahead. Yeah, I know.
2: I know. And so I was not really into baseball at all until I was about seven years old. My dad was very frustrated. My dad was an electrician who had been very, loved the Cardinals It was really into baseball and really wanted his son to be into baseball. I have a five year old now who, like, has. Can name you the Cardinals lineup and is obsessed with every single player. <laughs> so and, and so, like, he's so far ahead of me. Uh, I was I didn't really want it. Dad made me play T ball, and I was so used to striking out, which is mean, by the way, now that I've coached kids. You shouldn't have to strike out in T ball. Just let them run to first base, therefore. Um, but I was so used they to striking out. Did you strike
1: out, was, out in T ball?
2: I was really bad.
1: But I mean, <laughs> seriously?
2: Yeah, so but, they're really
1: nice. No, the, just let them hit it.
2: They were pretty hard Scrabble streets in Mattoon. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> I
1: think you're tough. Hard, That's me.
2: Uh, but anyway, so I was just not really into sports at all, and it was very frustrating to my dad. And I was always, I'd always like sit and read books at recess, and just really, I, I think it was, I, I, my dad loved me, but I think it was a little frustrating that he wanted to be able to watch sports. And then uh, one year, he finally took me to Bush Stadium, and he took me to Bush Stadium, uh, and it was, uh, it was not opening day, but it was early in the season. And of course, it was in 1982. So I was uh, I was six years old, about to turn seven that October, uh, and I saw Ozzy Smith do a flip, and there was Willie McGee, and they won the World Series. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing. I mean, people always talk about those great Cardinals teams, but like not only were they were great, but they were the just the most fun possible team you can imagine. They were fast, they were charismatic. The lead, the the biggest star was named the Wizard of Oz. I mean, just like the most like it, it was too much. For even uh, the nerdiest kid to resist. So I just got uh, obsessed with it. And again, they also they won the World Series the first series I wa- year I watched. It. I was like, well, wow, this is this is awesome. This happened every year. <laughs> it's really, uh, I always feel bad. My son was born uh, on November twenty first, two thousand eleven. So uh, so he, I always fear that the cardinal, like he's going to be ninety four, <laughs> and they'd be like, just before I was born, the Cardinals won their last World Series, the <laughs> curse uh, and so on because it happened, because of course the greatest part of the moment happened right before then, so so that got me hooked, and after that i was I was obsessed uh pretty much ever since then uh that 's what got me and you know I have to say i I am still pretty nerdy, but you know for me the cardinals specifically were the thing that got me excited about baseball and then about basketball and football and 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 interacting with other kids and competition and making friends and you know i I honestly do believe. You know, I think about this all the time with my sons. a five-year-old and a uh, younger son that will be uh, three uh, in June. And listen, I, they have their mother's more athletic than their father is, but I doubt, uh, other than the fact that that my younger my older son is left-handed, I doubt they have a career uh, in, in the majors. But I do think it's an important thing for kids, men and uh, g- boys and girls, to be able to at least be fluent uh in sports to have an understanding of it i think it helps them socialize it helped me socialize it helped me meet all sorts of people that i would have never met before and and you know i i know it's a little corny and i know it's a little silly but i honestly love the fact to me one of the many things the things i love most about the cardinals and about baseball and about sports in general is i if i am at a game sitting next to someone who I've never met before uh, and will probably never see again, and I may have absolutely nothing in common with that person and may disagree with them on every single political uh, view in, in the world, and they may even uh, actively, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they may have read something in the past that I wrote and hate me for it and just not realize it's me. Uh, but if they're a Cardinal fan or they're an Illini fan um, or if they're a Knicks fan, if I were going to the NBA, uh, they're my best friends for that for those three hours and i think sports are a really important thing for kids and and everyone and adults they commiserate with people that you wouldn't otherwise i think it's something the internet has done a wonderful thing with i think of you know i mean i've i've read things that both of you guys have have, have written and listened to the podcast and i feel like you know you guys are, are you guys occupy a space in my world that would have never happened uh, uh, otherwise and uh if it weren't for baseball and it, and it weren't for that and that is an exciting thing for me and so that, the Cardinals were the gateway drug for all of that. Yeah, none of that would have happened if it really wasn't for Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee. And, and my favorite player growing up was actually Daryl Porter. Uh, I was a catcher, uh, and Daryl Porter was my favorite player. Uh, I was also, when I was, when I was that young, I was really into uh, church youth group. And Daryl Porter was, uh, it was a very sad story. Ultimately, he, he died of a drug overdose, but he was a covering addict and he had found God. He wrote a book called Stat Me Perfect. I actually wrote a, a piece about this one time in his uh, sister contacted me. We had a whole interaction about it. Um, uh, Daryl Porter was my favorite player. And, uh, so that those teams were the best. And after that, it was, there was no going back from that. I'll, I'll be, uh, I, I've always, I don't have any tattoos, but I've always thought if I ever got one, if someone said, <laughs> well, if you don't get a tattoo, we're, something very terrible is going to happen. The only thing I can be absolutely certain, other than I guess my children's name, and why burden them with having their father having their children, <laughs> their, their name dead on them, uh, I would have to be a cardinal tattoo. It's really the only single concept I've had in my life, uh, since I was a little kid and will really have forever.
0: Yeah, you said, though, that you were late to the party as far as being a sports fan, but you were seven, to be fair. It's not like people who are like you know, three or four years old are like encyclopedic about sports or anything. Like, seven was my first year, which was, I feel like I'm going to make you feel old here, but 96 was my first year of paying attention to the Cardinals when I was seven. And then once 98 came around with McGuire, it was just like an everyday sort okay. of thing. Like, 96, 97, I was paying attention to the team. I was watching some games. By the time 1998 came around, especially mid to late 98, like, every single game was a point viewing, so that was sort of the point where I was like, okay, I'm, like, this is just, like, what I am now. This is my thing. Heather, when was your first?
1: I think like, my, I went to my first game in two, 2004. Oh, um, wow, you
0: are later to the age. Yeah, well, sort of well age.
1: I'm from a small town in Illinois, which I guess I'm about the same distance away that Will was, even though I'm physically closer because of the... Because of the having
0: to take a ferry to get into St. Louis. Yes. Yeah. So I'm still I'm still
1: about two hours away from St. Louis when I'm at my, uh, like at my mom's. So I we didn't go to a game like that wasn't a thing that you could just do just go to a game. Yeah. It was like in a like you had to plan it out several weeks in advance and uh, somehow get your tickets which I'm not even sure exactly how we did that because you didn't print them online or anything. I guess you had to get them mailed. It was just a, there. Was, the logistics of it were a lot more difficult. So we, I got to one game in 2004, and I was just really like the 2000. That was really the first kind of year that I followed it. I was like 11.
0: That was a good year to start following. Yeah, it. That, that might be great. Why.
1: Year. Um, that might be why it might have had to do with them being really good. But I watched 2004, 2005. I think I watched a little bit sooner than 2004 because I just remember really loving Scott Rowland for a long time. Uh, and then 2006 was like the. Let's see, 2005 I got a jersey, 2006 I remember watching that, but yeah, I think my first uh, game was in 2004. Yeah. I was at the Mark Ruzelonic cycle game. That's my claim to fame.
0: (laughs) Yeah, vaunted moments in Cardinals history.
1: (laughs) They showed it on the pre-game or post-game the other day, and I was like, I was at that game. I think my sister, who's uh, just turned 17, she's like, why does it look so terrible? I'm like, that's what we had to watch back then. I have no idea.
0: Back in the old days of 2005, when yeah. I was 16 years old she's in high like, school. Looks,
1: yeah. the, the screen looks awful.
0: I was 30 okay. in 2005. So, yeah,
2: so I, I, I definitely know what you mean. And it's like you, I, love, I love that. I feel like we, the three of us, have the three actual best times of the last fifty years in Cardinals history, really, to have become fans uh, yes, for me, bad. To, yeah, but to come from that time, and then, and then, obviously, uh, uh, you you and, and, uh, in in two thousand four, which is to me still the great Cardinals team of of my lifetime. Obviously, they won two World Series since then, but that two thousand four team, it just felt like they were up five to one in the third inning every game. It just they just it felt like they were never would never lose. And then when it comes to McGuire, you know, I know they're doing that Hall of Fame, the Cardinals Hall of Fame vote this year, and McGuire, obviously, you know, there's there are people that will never really want McGuire, but man, I I think a lot of people forget how bad it was uh, in St. Louis from like 88 to 96. It was really rough. It was, it was Ray Lankford being quietly awesome and, 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 but, and not a lot else. And and then occasionally like Lee Smith, who was always kind of entertaining. (laughs) Other than that, you know, it was what McGuire did. Like Cardinals baseball has been, incredibly urgent and relevant since Maguire. And I think that what he did for that franchise, particularly during a time I know people, it, it seems impossible to think of now, but before uh, when Anheuser-Busch put them up for sale, there was a fear that no one thought they would leave, but it was on the table. And, and you know, you think of all the advantages that the Cardinals have now there's still like you know I I, I think sometimes the & Company will use the we a small market team as a way to not spend, but it is worth noting that like they 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 are not in the top half uh, yeah. uh, uh, of, of market, so I think. That does get lost a little bit sometimes. And particularly because I remember the times where, before Maguire and really before La Russa, where it was dark. <laughs> it was dark and it was just listless and they, they were not high in attendance and there just wasn't a lot of buzz around the team. And, and you, you know, so to I, and Maguire was really the one that got it back. And I think he's an r- incredibly important part of cardinals history and i, I think he, he did, he's been back for a long time now he's been a he hidden coach for three teams he's won a world series uh, as coach. i feel like he's a guy that uh i i'd like to see him get his cardinal moment back
1: one of my favorite things i think almost ever is that the cardinals get a compensation pick for being in a small market and how everyone gets so yeah. mad online about that. But they really are in a small market. I just I don't know how they you are. can argue that they aren't. And I I believe someone wrote a post, uh, maybe it was on FanGraphs. It might have been Craig. I can't remember. I think it was. I'm sure it was. It was Craig. It
2: was Craig. Yeah, it's
1: trying to prove that they actually do deserve that pick for being in a small market. They're in just a small market as other teams. So.
0: Doesn't sound like Craig to write a post on FanGraphs about the Cardinals. It just doesn't sound like the sort but of thing. Like Craig he would Edwards' do.
1: puff piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that we all came from, like, the sort of most fruitful eras, you know, possible as far as first assimilation into being a Cardinals fan. I always give my sister a hard time because the first year that she really paid attention was 2006, and, like, she was a teenager at that point, but, like, I always would make fun of her that she was jumping on the bandwagon, and yet, of the three of us, I'm the one who came from the most unpleasant season, and they still made the NLCS in that season, so yeah. it really just shows how spoiled we all are, and...
1: How good they've been. And we
0: will never apologize for nope. it.
2: For me, the the, the great uh, anecdote from how good we've had it as Cardinals fans was after 2006, uh, that was when they made the decision uh that was when they kind of up, uh, upended the whole you know system. And they and you know they they brought in um, uh, you know they 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 switched everything out and that's when Jockey left and and you know and they basically decided to revamp their entire system uh to make sure they had enough money to keep pools <laughs> and so they they focused more on the in the farm system and did all that so the, after the 2006 season they had i think they had the worst or second worst farm system in baseball and after the 2011 se- season where they won a, another world series they had been competitive almost every year in between then they had the best farm system in baseball <laughs> like, that is like not fair that the cardinals have like one two world series in the time that they went from the worst farm system to the best farm
1: system in- <laughs> We've had it really. Years.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's really, <laughs> it's. We've had it very, very fortunate, and and uh, and nothing that stops us from complaining. Uh, this is sports, after all. That is after the job description of being a fan is grousing about. Particularly with you know one of the things I love about baseball too is. It's an everyday thing. Like, like this. I, I don't know uh, if you guys admit to people when we're, we do this uh, when you guys take the podcast, but there is a Cardinals game going on right now, and I have been checking it in incessantly. I've been I've been so hard not to be like Jerko, nice job, while I'm talking to you guys. Um, so I don't know if I spoiled anything, but Jed Jerko just solved the Middle East crisis. I'm very proud of him. Did he get a um, home
1: run? Was that how
2: they uh, got no, their their
0: one run? Not, he's, I think he has an RBI single. Okay, um, I saw they got
1: one run, but I didn't know how. I missed yeah. that
0: part. Yeah, I, I just pulled it up on uh, GameCast too. I have been watching
1: the... it. It's playing over our shoulder right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the point is that it's it's a daily part of our lives. Like it is just it is in a way that to me makes every game less important and therefore that much more. Uh, that it becomes this everyday thing and an everyday part of our lives, and therefore it becomes, you know, not to get to get cheesy about, it, but it becomes like family. And because it's like family, you are meaner to it than you yeah. would be. <laughs> with people that you didn't care about as much and uh and i and i think you see that uh i i always feel bad for the poor soul that actually has to uh to run the uh the cardinal's twitter account because <laughs> i'm constantly yelling at, and i love it like i love the more <laughs> for anything in the world and that poor soul i'm just constantly yelling oh yeah yeah good job good manager you guys got yeah. <laughs> do better yeah, exactly. That's just and and for me, you know, that's uh, I guess running a, a baseball team's uh, account is not really all that different than running a, an airline's social media account. So I guess that's, I guess that's what it kind of comes with it.
0: Yeah, I, I was running the VB Twitter account over the weekend during the games, and it was during like a good weekend of games. They won three of four, and yet. Every so often, somebody would send me a tweet saying, like, why haven't they fired Matheny? Why is Johnny Peralta still on the team? Something like that. I was like, well, I don't have control over that. And I remember <laughs> thinking, like, I get why they do it to the Cardinals account, but it's not like it's like John Mazel running the Cardinals Twitter account or anything. Oh. Like,
2: I mean, the main reason I do it is because, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I think uh, so, some percentage of my followers on Twitter, and I, I'm not a big Twitter person anyway, but uh, I think some percentage of my Twitter followers are. Uh, cardinal fans but not all of them so i don't want to bur- a i just don't want to get yelled at every time i say something about the cardinals so i usually will go at cardinals just so i assume that the most diehard cardinal fans that are following me are already following the cardinals and therefore they'll be the only ones that see it that's the idea yeah. behind it. that's so, what i always
0: figured because i figured if you were just yeah. going to be just saying general cardinals grievances you would just get flooded with people yes. yelling at you and
2: it would not be a fun experience at all. Um, and which is fine. There's, there's something almost existential. Like like we talked about earlier about how the Cardinals are the central organizing principle really of my life since I was a kid. It's weird to be able to talk to them, (laughs)
0: like
2: just as a concept, as like a construct. Like, like I, uh, uh, after the game, one of the games where they were getting killed by the Reds, and Jerko hit a homer late to make it like ten to four or something, and 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 they said, "Yeah, Jerko, great hit on uh, the Cardinals for up punch." And I responded, "You know, actually, thank you. I needed this. I, I needed a little bit of positivity. I'm really down on you guys right now. Thank you." And he sent me, and the Cardinals account sent me back like a El um, Niz Diaz giving a thumbs up g- uh, gif. Right. And and I was and there was some and, and I was like, "Well, that's good. That's good social media practice." But also I was like, "Oh no the." borg has come to life it's like the cardinal this thing that i have assessed over my entire life has been this constant is now physically talking right to me i know it's <laughs> a social media person i know that's not how it works but there still seems something existential about like i am talking to the cardinals which is this massive thing that has been such a large part of my life it always it always unnerves me it's another reason that twitter generally terrifies me
0: <laughs> you just need to keep reminding yourself this isn't actually like this isn't actually, like, the ghost of Stan Musial who's going to, you know, haunt you for speaking ill of the Cardinals. It's some right. guy or some girl who's running a Twitter account. Yeah, everyone... assholes like me all the
1: time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, Sorry. knowing the volume that had happened on the Viva Albertos account, which is, like, not even a hundredth of the followers of the Cardinals, makes me think that person just, it just cannot be a pleasant experience.
1: <laughs> Mentions
2: now here. in the last couple years, <laughs> in the last couple of years, the Matheny frustration has gone more mainstream. Yeah, like it was really kind of us stat people for for a while, but I think it's crossed over a little bit now, and I think that probably makes it even worse.
1: The Matt Adams thing, I think, was a big catalyst because even the non sabermetrically inclined. Viewer. Yeah, like you don't
0: need a stat or you don't need to be told the <laughs> catch probability eyes. to know that Matt Adams in left field was not You maybe not don't working. even need
1: eyes. You might just need ears.
0: Just the sound of the groans coming from Bush Stadium will tell you all you would need to know about whether or not that was working. But that appears to not actually be happening. So.
2: But again, that's because, and I know we promised we would not turn this into a Matheny gripe session. Oh, we However, it, it, de- it definitely felt like when they got back from the road trip Somebody got called in the principal's office. Like, like it definitely felt that way when Moselec gave that little conversation that Doug had. He's like, Yeah, the Adam stuff, probably not going to happen anymore. Like there, was just, <laughs> there was just a lot of, like, okay, you know, it's uh, knock it off. And like you know, did not travel on that road trip, and it had that feel of, okay, uh, enough. And I know the Moselec is great, and Matheny screws up Moselec's plans. It's kind of this, I think, somewhat. Facts, not necessarily in evidence on that. I think we like to believe that a little bit. Was it like, is the guy that hired Matheny, is the guy that gave him a, gave him an extension, literally the day after the Cubs won the World Series? Mm-hmm. To put, but um, so I, I think that gets lost a little bit. But definitely, I still, uh, in my imagination, it is, I uh, Matheny is just constantly driving Mo crazy. And uh, and <laughs> and then he got called into his office uh, the day after that Yankee series, which I was at the first two games of, and um and and called him on the carpet and made him fix and said knock the Adam stuff off, <laughs> put Wong in the lineup, put Giersch in the lineup, and knock it off. And you know whether and it's not like the Cardinals have been playing so crisp in the, during this little win streak, but uh, uh, certainly it does feel like it's everything's at least closer to the right track.
1: Jose yeah, Lux bow tie was probably all askew and yeah yes, flustered. Yes. For,
2: yeah, he was sli- yeah, yeah. His... The, 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 the sweater over his shoulders was slightly disheveled for a Yeah,
1: and... <laughs> his scarf was like <laughs> untied. <It> was <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. With the uh, Matt Adams in left field thing, and him and Mike Mathini shying away from that, I kind of wondered if it was sort of an Alan Craig situation where there was like the threat of you know if you keep playing this guy who's you know shouldn't be playing at least this position, you know may have to get rid of him which yeah. was always my theory in 2014 of what happened. But... Kind of
1: good fellas sound in yeah.
0: there. Yeah, I sort of had to make yeah. Matheny offer he couldn't refuse yeah. to, to go with a completely yeah. different mob movie. But... <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I, think, I think my joke at the time when, he, when they made
2: that trade was like, don't think of this as trading Alan Craig. Think of this as Moselec putting a muzzle around the neck of, of Matheny <laughs> so that he does not bite himself. And, uh, and I, and I always felt like that was the right way to, the, the little cone thing, not a muzzle, but you know what I mean? The dog thing. I think, yes. I think that was what it was. It was, and we've seen that frankly consistently for pretty much every year since then too. And just, just a, and you know, I wrote about this in my baseball prospectus essay this year, uh, about Matheny and about Mo, about it really feels like a lot of Mo's plans have to be altered around making either making it easier for his manager or making it harder for his manager to not like first it's flexibility. Then it's too much flexibility. And a lot of that, it just feels, you know, there's just not a particularly creative mind, uh, in, in the dugout, you know, and I, listen, th- let's not get rosy about it. like, you know, La Russa drove us crazy too. Like he did. Yeah. And,
1: I'm, the,
0: I'm the first one to admit that La Russa at the time drove me crazy. And like, even in retrospect, he drove me crazy, like a little less crazy than Athene. granted. Let's not forget
1: then. Alan Craig once played second base and also center field at some point. I
0: I saw him play center field at Wrigley Field, and it was, I was
2: sitting in the bleachers, Ooh. and it was a very, it was a very, I always use the old Bernie Miklas line of uh, recalculating, recalculating on the <laughs> GPS, and there's a fly ball out there, and, and but that's the thing, but the, the difference with, with La Russa, though, was... The thing I loved about Loverse, even when he drove me crazy, is you knew that, like, when they – he took Cardinal's losses the way that I take Cardinal's losses, like, really hard. He had that burning desire to win, and he had an inventive, creative mind, even when Loverse would do things that were very strange or would, say, have trouble with bullpen phones or or whatever (laughs) story that – they tried to claim with that. Even when Larusso would make the big mistakes, they were always out of like a constantly working mind and constantly trying to things. And if anything, he would do it too much. But you never felt like Larusso was not doing everything in his power. He was confident, even if he was dumbly confident, uh, he was mistakenly confident. You felt like he would do absolutely everything in his power to win. And Matheny is my, it just does not strike me as someone with that particularly active mind. He has not seen it. <laughs> really with any of his I am trying to put it gently here but right. I mean no, I totally yeah. relate.
1: That's why I'm laughing.
2: And and I it's not you don't you don't see either just like by looking at him or listening to him talk or even with his actions with lineups and like it, it's like La Russa would do things I'd be like I like wow, what is he going doing with this? But you knew there was something behind it. Whereas like within you'll do things and I I'll say, I'll be like, "Oh, wait, I think I know what he's doing." That is really stupid. <laughs> like he thinks he's being inventive. It's really, to me, that's that's what's most frustrating about Matheny. It's not, uh, I, it's not just the 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 personality. It's not just the stubbornness. It's not just the, the what's increasingly the thing that we were pitched about him is this leader of men who has the respect in the dugout. That seems to be a little bit less the case than it used to be, even if that was ever the case in the first place. And Uh, So you wonder what we're actually left with then. Unless I would be there, there are certain things that he's better at. He bunts a lot less than he used to. That used to be the thing that drove us crazy about Matheny. He doesn't do that so much anymore. So occasionally, if you hit him over with a with a log often long enough, he will stop doing some bad things. But I don't know. I just you don't get a sense. I have a good friend here in town, uh, here in Athens, who's a diehard Orioles fan. And he and he's he's like every game. I know that Buck Walter is not going to lose this game for me, unless it's, of course a big wild card. Game. Yeah, I was
0: going to say I, the Buck Walter <laughs> thing kind of went away after the whole Zach Britton
2: fiasco. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean that was a big a big high profile mistake on a general basis. I oh, mean yeah. I see what he means, and I th- I think you see it with Terry Francona. You see it with with I think Madden a little less. I think he gets that, that. But you you feel like there's an active mind in the dugout, and I just don't know if the Cardinals can say that.
0: If only there were some way the Cardinals could have had Terry Francona as their manager instead of Mike Matheny, if only that had a...
2: If only there were a way, like, for example, just saying, yes, (laughs) (laughs) this job, take it. So, yes, yes, exactly.
0: In general, though, there is a lot of reason to be optimistic about this Cardinals team, though, in the sense that things were looking so bad within the first week or two of the season, obviously the Yankee series that you mentioned attending, was not the high point of the Cardinals franchise. To be fair,
1: the Yankees are on fire right now.
0: Yeah. and like I've been Yanke- watching
1: a lot of them. I don't know why, but I find them really fun to watch.
0: The Yankees have played well in, like, the first couple series. You had a lot of games against the Cubs, against the Nationals, and really the National League, other than the top, like, three teams, just I don't think is that good. Like, the Reds have a good record. I'm not even sure they still have a good record, but they had a good record at least. And But generally speaking, though, like, I could... I don't think the Cardinals are going to win the division. I never did, unlike Heather here, who's mm-hmm. the, the optimist we all desire, all should desire to be. But I see this Cardinals team, and it's not even that I think they're a great team, but I just think that they're good enough. And I think that there's so many teams in the NL who are trying to rebuild. and Like, the Brewers in a few years are going to just absolutely terrify me, but for right now, I just don't think that they're going to pose a long-term threat. And, and the same goes for... You know, say like the Braves or the Phillies, like they could be really strong in a couple of years, but you know, Cardinals are still very much in prime position to get a wild card berth.
2: Yeah, I, I agree, and it's funny though. The thing that bothers me about like we're feeling a lot better because they've they've gone in this little run, but you know, Derek will talked about this a, a little bit. You know, they like they didn't deserve to win on Sunday. Like they played, they had all those base running mistakes. Uh, there's still there's still plays not made uh, as the idea goes there's still a lot of those and uh, you can get away with it against the Brewers right now and I think that speaks to your larger point there's a lot of teams that you can get away with that a little bit and frankly you, you know the thing that really makes me the most optimistic about the Cardinals this year is is that rotation. Like I think they have maybe the best rotation in the division. I really do. I don't think it's enough to ca- to catch up with what the Cubs uh, have on offense, but you know I do think that rotation is very solid. I think the bullpen will get itself figured out, um, and so I think that's going to be enough. I think to make them a potential wild card team, and and that's kind of what you're holding down the fort now. You're right until until. You know, until the Brewers come, or until the Braves come, or until the Phillies come to me, the Phillies in a couple of years are going to be these crazy spenders. And and to me, I think it's curious too. You know, the thing I always, the thing I like most about the way that Mo runs things is that that you know he gives himself that kind of flexibility in a macro sense, the idea that right now, you, you know, you could Jericho can play third and you can and, and Garcia can fill in over there. And maybe Peralta, uh, once his mysterious respiratory situation gets, uh, <laughs> gets fired up, uh, he, he will come back and, and, and at least give you something, but you've also, you know, listen, there's going to be the, the team they're playing today. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the Blue Jays look they're like they're going to be starting to dump some stuff off here. And that's a team the Cardinals have a potential match with. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're if you're in a position to strike, I think what these what I was hoping from the Cubs run, and I thought I think we saw a little bit this offseason, was it would be the kick in the pants to the Cardinals that they kind of needed to be like listen the system that they've had that's given them success for the last fifteen twenty years has worked fantastically, but one of the reasons it's worked fantastically is the Cubs have been a they they've never quite gotten it together <laughs> they never quite they're really the kind of the only other giant. Uh, in that division, the, Red, the Cardinals are very fortunate to be in the division they are. They've been like there have been years where the Astros came up but the Pirates came up or the Brewers came up or the Reds came up. But they've never been a consistent basis. A team that has been able to challenge the Cardinals that way. And the Cubs are that now. And what, what I find encouraging. Uh, if, um, is to do the Fowler signing. Whatever your thoughts about the individual merits of that, it shows that they're going to have to make some changes, and they're they're going to have to spend particularly huge in the international market. Now they they're reckon they've they've gotten the okay. We cannot just Shoot for our 90 to 92 wins every year. Hope it gets. Hope that gets us. Uh, gets us a division. Uh, gets us to win the division. Now you've got to aim higher for that, and, I, and it requires a little bit more risk uh, taking. But I like it. I feel like that's something they kind of needed to do, and the Cubs have given them that kick that they needed. So I find that exciting. The idea that the Cardinals are even considered a potential player with some of these free agent people in this cover I'll believe it when I see it. But the idea that they seem to be kind of building to that point
0: is. Encouraging.
1: Luis Robert... Roberts? Roberts? Yes.
0: As Robert, but yeah.
1: Robert. I don't know. I've only read it. I've never heard it said. Yeah.
0: I read one article one time that said it was pronounced like Colbert, so I just rolled with it from there.
1: That makes more sense than Robert. <laughs> Cause Which is funny, because
0: Colbert it's, is pronounced, <laughs> pronounced Colbert in real life.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> in,
2: in terms in of real life, the, life,
0: the TV yeah. character, yeah. at least.
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah but, I, mean, I know, I know. That's the joke. But yeah. But so, no, I, that... And, and listen, you know, I mean, it's not for nothing, but... If there is a position in which they are very eager to if they could bring in a big bat, third base is the spot. <laughs> like third base is the spot. There's gonna be people out there and the Cardinals are going to have the money. So, you know, and, and particularly with the way there's they're structuring the contracts now. I even thought the Molina contract, like obviously it was high, but like three years. Like it's three years for a guy that you're absolutely planning to be your starter for all three of those years. And then you figure it after that, and I think that that's a smart play in that regard. I like the way everything is kind of lining up payroll wise to to go after uh the the uh, i think it's louise Robert he's french he's not French um, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome if you um but uh, the, going after guys like that and being those kind of big spenders – and that's what I like about the the Robert thing is. that's a situation where you look at the other teams that are going to be going for them. The team with the most payroll muscle, because the Yankees aren't in, the Cubs aren't in, the Red Sox aren't in, are the Cardinals. And I think that's encouraging.
0: Yeah, I think that um, looking, though, at this year's team, it's kind of ironic, though, that the thing that's, I guess, the big question mark at this point, other than, like, Johnny Peralta, who I don't think people were necessarily banking on to be necessary for the Cardinals to be a playoff team, is the top two spots in the rotation with Carlos Martinez and Adam Wainwright. You look at the other guys who are in the rotation, Mike Leakes looked like a Cy Young caliber pitcher this year, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. Like, I've always been sort of a Mike Leakes apologist, but I was never a Mike Leakes going to be a Cy Young candidate level. And I still don't think he will be, but I think that overall, obviously, doing a lot better than he was last year. Uh, Martinez and Wainwright, though, hopefully they can get things back together. Hopefully people will stop blaming one of them with a different hairstyle being the <laughs> reason. For some reason, no one complains about Adam Wainwright and his growing his hair out as being the reason that he's struggling. It's, it's just with Martinez, but... To be
1: fair, not to be fair, but let's be honest about the hair. It's not, it's not great hair, but...
0: It's not the reason he's struggling. It's not the reason
1: right? he's struggling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't be opposed to him getting rid of it, though. Just...
0: Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> like, <Yeah.
2: laughs>
1: I, it's not great hair.
2: Yeah, I, I, like, I, I agree that it has absolutely nothing to do with his pitching, but it doesn't look good it just like not. Can, we, no. can, we, can we just all come together and like and for me, you know a large part of what I love about Carlos Martinez other than the fact that he's an awesome pitcher is you know i've as getting back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about uh the you know the card uh, people disliking the cardinals i've always been like listen if 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 Carlos Martinez pitched for like the Mets or if he pitched for the Red Sox or if he pitched for or even the a's like people would love Carlos Martinez. He is so much fun right. to watch, and he's so likable. And for me, like if you if you really want to truly tell me that you hate the Cardinals and they are all this imaginary way which is really just the way that Brian McCann is. Like, I
0: don't, <laughs> Brian McCann has never been a Cardinal, I should point
2: exactly. out. Exactly. Yes. Like, Brian McCann is that guy that everyone imagines all the Cardinals players are. Ian Kinsler is that guy. The Cardinals don't actually have any of those guys. But if you actually still believe that, seriously, watch Carlos Martinez. If you don't think that guy represents all that we claim to love about baseball and all that they, the great future of baseball, that's what Carlos Martinez is and for me he's such a joy to watch it's so much fun and just a blast i just but a lot of it is in addition to his great pitching it's just aesthetically he's a he's a uh, he's just a joy to watch so i i mean listen obviously he's a grown man he could wear his hair however he wants mm-hmm. I, I i personally i don't like it i don't think it looks stupid
1: yeah I'm not, I'm not a fan and i am a as big of carlos martinez apologist, you, I guess apologist isn't the right word, but whatever I am, you will find. I will defend everything about Carlos Martinez, and even I'm going to admit that it kind of looks like a mop.
0: Yeah, sort of like the Thomas <laughs> sort of like the Thomas Jefferson quote about free speech. Like, I may not agree with your hairstyle, but I will defend to the death your right or whatever the exact And the fact that is. he's willing
1: to try that kind of unique hairstyle is one of the things I love about him. And you keep doing you, Carlos. Right. I, exactly. I, have, I respect it. I appreciate it. I love it, even.
2: But I'm not. I can't. I, it's not great. It's not great. It's not. It's not great. But I mean, listen. I. I, I, but, I but we all agree has nothing to do with his pitching. It's weird too yeah. because like Wainwright is like jacked now. Like, like a, <laughs> he actually looks as different from Wayne from Wainwright last year as Carlos does. Did, does from last year. Like he actually looks like he looks like a physically different person. He's like really ripped, and he's been really struggling. But I have just not heard a lot of. Well, Wainwright went and jacked himself up in the off season. Look what struggle is he! Look how different he is. So I, I, I think, uh, I, I think that. And listen, Wainwright has certainly, to say the least, earned uh, the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, and I, I do think that I'll, I'll put it this way: I want Carlos now. Here's what I, want, what I want to happen: I want Carlos to keep the hair to for like three or four dominant starts. Yes. So no one says that anymore. And then he gets rid of it. That's yes. what I want. So no one makes that connection. And so so he can, so no one says, I don't want him to get rid of them and be good again because then they'll actually, some people actually blame the hair. So I want <laughs> the hair to fix like, like three or four starts and then he can get rid of it.
1: I would love if it were the hair if It were that simple just to, uh, oh, well, let me just change my hairstyle and be a Cy Young candidate again. Like that would be great if that were a solution, but it's not. So I, I think or, that you're... Or, or,
2: <laughs> or if he became dominant with the hair and yeah. then just,
0: all staff gets them. So, like the Andrew McCutcheon thing where you get the haircut mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're not any good anymore. Like, maybe that's going to be that's sort of the reverse yeah, he, uh, Samson effect. If he,
2: get, if he gets great, Waka, Lynn, Leek, and wayne right will all have them. It'll be like the Puerto Rican team when they all dyed their beards and Carlos Praltran <laughs> turned into Mark McGuire. Yes. It was absolutely
0: baffling how much he looked like Mark McGuire. It was kind of terrifying.
1: <laughs> it was. It was actually a little bit terrifying. Really?
0: Oh yeah, I'm hoping that everybody on the Cardinals decides to go the Mike Leak route and have kind of the, the mediocre facial hair look. Like Luke Weaver's ahead of the game so if they want to bring him another <laughs> rotation for it then they're free to do so. I don't know why I'm yeah. making fun of players' facial hair. It does not seem very becoming of me. But <laughs> So um, you mentioned before though that in, and I mentioned it a couple times that in addition to being a Cardinals fan you're also a big fan of uh, Illinois University of Illinois Sports. You went to the University of Illinois. You're very loudly pro Illinois. If you had to rank the like potential championships you could see for your teams, like where, like does an Illinois basketball title rank ahead of another Cardinals title? No judgment here. If it does just.
2: That's a, such a tough question. I would have said before 2006, that the, this would be the easy, even before 2011, this would be the easiest answer in the world. It would obviously be a Cardinals victory. And if, if you were to ask me what teams I care about more deeply, it's the, it's the Cardinals, but Illinois basketball, uh, you know, it's still a Cardinals World Series. I feel bad. I feel bad because I love, I love like Illinois basketball. It's, it's even more closely tied to my to my home where I grew up than the Cardinals are. You know, we're as it were right by Champaign. Uh, all the games growing up were on the local CBS affiliate. They would they would usurp whatever was on Dan Rone. Uh, Dan Rone before he was in Chicago was in on WCIA in Champaign. Dan Rohn and Doug Altenburger uh, calling games, uh, and you know, so that is very tied in a way that even the Cardinals, the Cardinals are tied to St. Louis and tied to a, and a little bit of the Cardinals Cubs right away, But Illinois, like that's, that's my home, you know, that that's, uh, and they have been, you know, I always joked that I, before last year that I understood what Cubs fans felt like, cause I was an Illinois basketball fan. <laughs> that I, I understood that a, a little bit. And now I can't even say that anymore. Um, so, but I have to say as much as I would, uh, Illinois championship, would, like, I'm going to have nightmares about that 2005 championship oh, game I, mean, I, ever. I know and I, I, I the, the fact that that three-pointer from Luther Head didn't go in, I just knew <sighs> it was going to go in and then it didn't and then it all You guys are going to complain about the refs
0: now, aren't you? I've dealt... well, they
1: let May push him around in the right. paint, that's yeah. not even fair
0: I've dealt with enough Illinois fans in my life that I know what's coming <laughs> next, so go ahead, I don't care Like I'm a Missoult um, fan, we would love to just make a Final Four
2: I'm sure you, I'm sure it would be cute for your little team to try <laughs> It is part of the idea that, like, I love that little... Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to do a little Missouri trash talk here. Oh, so funny. I love... We do Missouri. it ourselves.
0: It, I'm not
2: going to... Because for what it's worth, I think Quantum Martin is a great hire, and it will be really good for Missouri, and and it's going to work out great. But, like, when, when he said that he turned down that offer from Illinois, like, that's such a smart move from a PR aspect, because it yeah. that gets Missouri, like, really excited, but... Come on! <laughs> like that's obviously not what happened, and I think it's good because you know, the 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 Dragon Knights game is one of. You know, to this day, is one of my favorite experiences, uh, sports events I've ever been to. I know it's lost a lot of luster in the last two years, but it's one of those rare things from uh, like like Texas, Oklahoma, or Georgia, Florida football, uh, and and that you have a legitimate 50 50 crowd. I used to joke when I was lived in New York that Brooklyn Nets home games against the Knicks were the only games that were like that anymore, because there's a bunch of there's a lot more Knicks fans than there are Nets fans, even with the Knicks being terrible. But like that environment is like that is that was that was Christmas for me growing up was I mean, like it was in, around Christmas so yeah yeah you know, it, like it really felt that it was always a stretch I always try to come make it home for Christmas by the Illinois by the Dragon game and so that game has like a big emotional connection for me and it's lost it's lost a little because Illinois struggle but I think it's lost more just because Missouri hasn't only really struggled but has just been so terrible so I'm glad that Missouri will be uh, will be relevant and we'll have a coach for uh, three years. Obviously, it will only be yeah, three gonna, years. Look,
0: we're gonna take those three years. We just had three years of Kim Anderson. I'm not gonna I, complain about it.
2: Uh, and I understand, and I, and I think I think that's fine. I, I I agree, but I'd like to see that rivalry back going. But and I and listen, if if Quanzeran, I think he will be good for Missouri, but. Man, we could not possibly be more excited with Brad Underwood. So uh, I think that uh, I think so. Hopefully, I don't know when this is posting, but Wednesday night, Illinois is trying. We're going to find out whether we got Mark Smith, the big recruit. So I think it's pointing in the right direction. But uh, and then he's going to start with Missouri, and I'm going to look like an ass on this whole podcast.
0: <laughs> I think, like, I think both schools had great hires. I'm while I'm a Mizzou fan, I'm not anti-Illinois. I think college basketball is much more exciting for me if both teams are good. Like, I hope Kansas loses every game they ever play, but <laughs> Illinois, right. I wish yeah. all the best. That's
2: that's exactly how I feel about it, too. Same. Like, I want Indiana and Iowa to die. But like, <laughs> wow. And we, Illinois plays, but I don't want them to die. I just want them to suffer, like, a lot, <laughs> But not actually die, because die would be a relief of the suffering, and we don't want that. Right. Uh, but... So much uh, but this Missouri. rural Midwest niceness. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> not when it comes to basketball. Yeah,
2: not when it comes to basketball. But, when, but Missouri, you're, that's exactly right. I want to beat Missouri so badly in the Bush Dragon Rides game, but I root for them the rest of the year.
1: Oh, that is exactly what I do. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, if not Illinois, then M- Mizzou. But yeah. unless they're okay. playing, then Mizzou can just...
0: Yeah, I saw Heather so, the night of the Bragg and game, and she sort of did a little bit of Illinois trash talk to me. I was like, that's the first time you've mentioned Illinois basketball I,
1: I wear, I have a Illini hat that I wear. You've seen it. My, okay.
0: my dad has the, uh, the Illini Cardinals hat, the
2: orange. The well, orange
1: we, mine's a stocking cap, so yeah. it just has like an eye right on the front of it. And it is
2: my dad's favorite hat. It is basically, it's basically, it's the equivalent of, like, a guy wearing a T-shirt of his kids.
1: <laughs>
2: his two favorite things. Because he would never do that because he doesn't really like us. But, um, but no, I think, uh, but that card, the, the orange Cardinals hat is one of my father's most prized possessions. a
0: Also, I'm picturing, like, something similar to, like, the, I'm not sure if they have, if you've ever seen them because I think it might just be a thing that's, like, extremely local here, but... They have like hybrid shirts of the Cardinals and Blues logo put together and Ooh, those are I hate them so much. Good. I don't know I can't explain why I hate them so much. Just buy one of each. They're not that expensive. But. <laughs> right. the people yeah. that like There's,
1: put the just like cut them in half and then sew them back together, like the two separate shirts? Yeah. It's a little much, yeah.
2: But it's like the it's like the Island of Dr. Moreau like experiments that have gone like <laughs> terrible We have made it a
0: blues and a Cardinals logo and oh. look what's happened like, I just want to keep the two separate. But I don't have to... Because
1: of my Illini hat, I found out that I work with Tyler Griffey's dad. Oh, that's
0: awesome. It
2: that's was awesome. awesome. I love it. Yeah.
1: yeah. He was okay. like, oh, you're an Illini fan? I was like, yeah. He's And then um he's like, my son played for there. I'm like, who's your son? He goes, Tyler Griffey. I was like, what? No way. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was yeah, cool. that is.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, and as I said, I, I think you're right. Like, you know, when it, it, it was always funny because, you know, we have, I lived in New York and I still go, when I'm back in New York, I go to the bar. We have our Cardinals Bar, uh, in New York. That is why we talk about, uh, we talk about formative fan experiences. The, uh, it was basically me and, and this woman named Julia who, uh, ran the Cardinals Bar when we were there. And she was literally, this is how we have a Cardinals fan. She was literally born the day of Bob Forsh's second no hitter. That's how she introduced herself to me. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be friends. You and I are gonna be very good friends. <laughs> But the uh, you know that card-
1: beautiful friendship,
2: <laughs> exactly. And so, but we, um, you know, that Cardinals bar, is always very funny because, of course, like as I said, you know, we're all best friends. You know, particularly in 2011, that was forged at the steel of that of that uh, of that postseason in 2006 as well. But we always forget sometimes that, like in October, like oh, like. You guys like Missouri, right? I totally like, forgot. <laughs> like we're like sworn enemies in this other thing, while being best friends the entire thing. But I think it's, I think it's good. But I think that that's the best way to put it. I want Missouri to lose so much in that bracket game, but Joey. <laughs> But now, you know, I live in I live in Athens, Georgia now. I live in an SEC. I, I've I always go see Missouri uh, I've seen things the Georgia basketball, so I see Missouri when they're when they're down here. And one of my very best friends in the world was actually just elected to the Columbia city council. I'm very proud to report. So uh so I have a connection now to Columbia that will never go away. Particularly <laughs> when hopefully unless he bankrupts the city, in which case I'll <laughs>
0: Yeah, I didn't actually go to Mizzou, so my Mizzou allegiance is basically just all peripheral and just sort of jumping on the bandwagon. I'll fully admit that, but, but Heather, yeah, Heather, I, Heather didn't I have go, to- go to Illinois either, so she can't really yeah. get too braggy on me. No.
2: Yeah, my dad is the biggest Illinois fan I know, and he did not go to college at all, and I remember we went to an Illinois game one time, and they, and my sister, my, my mother, and I all went to Illinois, and... um uh um, my, my mother, including like late in life, she was, she, she was, I was like 15 when, when she went to college at Illinois and, uh, which is a very, I'm sure, not stressful time for her at all. Uh, <laughs> my
1: mom did the same thing. Like that was yeah. right around the same time, age and everything. Not to Illinois
2: Yeah. My mom, yeah, my mom went to nursing school at Illinois. I like, and I, I, she like tested IVs on me <laughs> in retrospect, <laughs> I don't think she should have done that. Uh, but anyway, so, um. But we were at a Line eye game, and they said, alums from the Illinois, University of Illinois, stand up. It's so my mom and sister, and I stood up, and my dad stood up too. And my sister was like, Well, you didn't go to Illinois. And he was like, Yeah, but I paid for all three. Of you. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, please stand. Please stand. Please stand. So, you know, one of the great things about uh, Central Illinois is yeah, I think a lot of people have not, did that. I think some of Illinois' most die hard fans are not alums at all. I think it's just, it is the local team. Uh, in Central Illinois, there, and I think that
0: that's one of the reasons
2: that it has such deep ties.
0: Yeah, I think it's like that with any sports team. Like with with Mizzou is sort of a unifying thing of Kansas City. Even though there's a lot of KU fans there as well, and St. Louis all being part of one team. Plus Central Missouri, obviously, but even like professionally with the Cardinals, like there's so much you know fractured with St. Louis with the St. Louis area, and yet everyone's able to unify behind this thing. And yeah. it's it's like that with any sports team. Obviously, it's like that with. Like, there's literally, what is there, 123, however many teams there are in professional sports, but everybody's able to sort of get behind that, and it's it's just such a nice, neat thing. I yeah. wonder
1: it's if, the if St. Louis had a basketball team, if people weren't wouldn't be so in, not so in Illinois now, since it's already kind of ingrained, but because where I'm from, you don't root for anything from Chicago. That is not That is not what you do. So you can't root for the the Bulls, even though you don't have your own basketball team type of thing. So I wonder if St. Louis or there was a closer professional basketball team, if maybe that would if that's why people flock to Illinois, even though. I
2: th- I think yeah I think I think it's partly <laughs> that I think but also you know it's worth noting that people in Chicago like they think Champaign is like this cow town like they yeah. think it's just. <laughs> like, like you know, they, they have a snobbishness about Champagne. Like, for what it's worth, in Champagne, they think Chicago people are jerks. Yeah, even if they're Cubs fans, uh, you know. So I think that there's a little bit of that. Uh, but I really think a lot of the deep stuff, I really truly believe this, that that a lot of that, particularly in those rural communities uh, in central Illinois, the local TV I, – I actually interviewed Dan Rohn. The, he's now at WGN. Uh, I actually interviewed Dan Rohn about this one time, about why – about why Illinois fandom is so kind of like deep uh, and and vast, and he said honestly, when I worked for that station, it was and I can vouch for this because I was a kid watching it. Nobody paid in like you were, your television was on CBS from five from the time you turned it on until the <laughs> time you turned it was just all oh, that's it. And that was the WCIA, and that was what one that had the Illinois games. There was there was also the the station the CBS affiliate that was famously was the only one that didn't put Letterman on after the local news stepped over to CBS because they, they had mass reruns and these people loved their mass reruns. Yes. <laughs> and there was that kind of loyal intensity that I really think honestly is a main reason that Illinois basketball has this huge thing because that area, it's just, that was the local team, the way the people in Long Island love the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really feel like it was, it felt like that was your team. And I, I think that that has set in, the, in, in a much less, uh, in a lesser sense than what we always talk about with KMOX being this big station that was all over Arkansas and Tennessee and Kansas and all these other places. I think that is part of it when, when it comes to Illinois basketball.
1: Yeah, I was listening to KMOX when my family visited. Uh, we went down to Georgia for vacation, and like at midnight, uh, when the sky's clear, you can still get KMOX 1120 in all the way down in Georgia. It was pretty crazy. I loved it.
0: Yeah, all right, so I, I think we've probably kept you long enough. We've completely screwed up the Cardinals' fortunes that they're now down 2-1 to Toronto to do our favorite segment of the show, which is giving score updates to games that are already over by the <laughs> time this actually posts. But hopefully this will be up tomorrow morning, on a Wednesday morning, and hopefully people will uh, will know what happened and weren't counting on us to tell them, because we don't know. But um, first of all, thank you very much, uh, Will Leach, for joining us to talk about the Cardinals, to talk about the internet to talk about Illinois basketball for a uh, strangely long time. But it, was, it was fun though. I enjoyed it.
2: Oh, please, it's my pleasure. I, 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 it's, I love, I, I, I listen to the show. I'm just honored that you guys have me on. So thanks for having me.
0: Oh, we're honored to have you on. And obviously you mentioned um, the many, many places that you write for, but uh, where else can people find your work as far as like Twitter, podcasts that you have, et cetera?
2: I feel like the best thing to do is I have a newsletter. It's called, it's at oh, tidyletter.com. Flash William F Leach. Uh, it's also if you just go to Twitter, it's, everything is William F Leach. It's just a uh, there's a poor Scottish journalist for the BBC who is <laughs> named, uh, named Will Leach or at and that has at Will Leach. And it's always funny because every October people just yell at him, <laughs> and he's oh. like, why <laughs> are you gonna yell at? So uh, he's a very very nice man and uh but uh so yes yeah, so i'm at william f leach and it's t- but the bet the what well, i have a i have a newsletter that i write every week that's like it's a, a special essay i write just for the uh for for those readers and then it has le- and then i link to everything i wrote uh throughout the week so uh, you can find the newsletter at uh, at william f leach or it's just uh on twitter william f leach everything is william f leach and then i'm i'm very easy to find i'm i'm uh, very <laughs> You can email me at any time I'd love, all I ever wanted to do Was just to get and sit and write for a living So uh, now that I get to do that I I just want to make sure I get to
0: keep it Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the the Scottish um, news guy With Twitter, because whenever I first got Twitter I wondered if I should make my handle Something that actually pertained to my name And then maybe a month or two after I got Twitter There's another John Fleming Who's a representative from Louisiana Who made some comments about how he voted for himself To get pay raises so that he could feed his family which um, no, I just remember thinking, oh, this would be so bad. This, I had people on, like, on Facebook tagging me, be like, hey, is this, uh, is this you? Like, yes, I'm the 50-something-year-old guy from Louisiana who's a congressman. But, <laughs> but uh, Heather, where can uh, people find you and your work?
1: Uh, I'm on Viva Alberto's oh, okay. Monday through Friday at 12 noon. And then on Twitter, LIL underscore Scooter 93. And you can also email me at that same address, but at msn.com.
0: Sounds good. Uh, People can find me on Twitter at uh, JohnJF125. They can email me at JohnJF125 at gmail.com. I'm also on Viva Albertos. I write usually Wednesdays and Fridays, though the schedule fluctuates every so often. So just check Viva Albertos every day, and maybe I'll be there. But if I'm not, somebody else who's...
1: Just read everything that is ever posted, ever. Yep. Uh, check, That's a good, solid strategy.
0: You can check out uh, Viva Albertos on Twitter at Viva Albertos, uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Viva Albertos. Subscribe to the podcasts on iTunes and other avenues. Write us nice reviews. Tell us that we're awesome and that we're super good at podcasting, or at least just give us five stars or mm-hmm. write negative reviews. I don't care. But um, yeah, I think that basically covers everything. And um uh, Will, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, th- Heather, thank you once <laughs> again for um, joining me.
1: Yes, always a pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this podcast, so I hope everyone else does too.
0: This, this was fun. It was <laughs> very worthwhile to have you on. You're welcome on any time that your um, other podcasting duties don't allow you to talk about the Cardinals as much as you'd like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, one of these days, I'm just going to turn it into an all Cardinals show. Just steer into the curve.
1: Right, exactly. The sir so. The skid.
0: Yeah. For, for those who don't follow, um, Will's podcasting, he does a podcast. Um, I don't know if I should call it weekly because it's been a while since there's a new episode out with, uh, Allison footer, who's very much not a Cardinals fan. So yes, 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 uh, yeah. she seems, we, a, we've had
2: another one. We got another one coming next week. And yeah, she, I, I, she said, Will, did you specifically not schedule one because the
0: Cardinals were losing so much? And I said, uh-huh. as, long, as long as there are no follow-up questions. No.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I wonder if that's why people thought but we yes. skipped last week. I don't know. But, uh, Regardless, though, the Cardinals are currently, well, they're actually not losing anymore. It's tied 2-2. Okay, cool. All right. um, We're going to go ahead and wrap this up so we can watch the rest of this game because that's how committed we are to this podcast. But uh, (laughs) thank you again for joining us, and thank you to everybody for listening.